1: They are there to listen without judgment or pressure. 24-7, 365 days of the year. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football.
2: This week we have a double episode. As firstly, the Clarets face Arsenal in their Premier League campaign and also have a home tie against Rochdale in the third round of the Carabao Cup. This is the Known and Never Podcast. And welcome to another episode of the None and Never podcast. I'm your host Natalie Bromley and joining me this week are regular panellists Tom Whitaker and, drumroll, the one who hasn't yet been bumped off for terrible FPL advice, Adam Dennett. Adam, let's come to you first. How are you doing this week? You and me need to have a chat.
3: Yeah, I've, uh, I've took a, a few pelters after that awful advice last week. I don't think I'll be asked on the preview show again for a while. But um, at least it led to me beating you in the head-to-head with that very, very poor advice I gave you. No,
2: me me and Dave were were annoyed. (laughs) You literally, you sent me an email. For for, for listeners who don't uh, tune into the previous show, and why not? But anyway, if you didn't, um, Adam literally sent me an email that had three specific pieces of advice. Number one, substitute out Lacazette. Fine. Number two, replace Lacazette with literally anybody in your, the entire world, okay, fine. And secondly, why on earth do you have Antonio on the bench, get him in the side? Which I did. Not only did he not score, got sent off. Rubbish advice. Um, so, yeah, t- uh, young, young Adam's got things to, 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 to live up to.
3: And you cursed him. He were doing great for me before you got him.
2: Did I, I, think, I you think you sent me a message saying I'd cursed somebody else as well, hadn't I? Who else had I cursed? Oh, Calvert-Lewin.
3: Dominic Calvert-Lewin as well. Yeah, you put him in and he got injured too. It's just... It's just not going well, yeah. is it?
2: The, the Bromley curse. <laughs> so, you see, what I should do, listeners, is that whoever Burnley's opposition are, I should literally fill my fantasy Premier League with all of their players the week before and they'll all be injured and suspended. That's, you know what, I'll sacrifice my performance in the none and ever FPL for the good of our team. Um, Tom, or favourite one, as you're otherwise known in our group chat, how are you doing this week, sir?
4: Yeah, very nice to be back, Natalie, and it's uh, it's nice to have a win to talk about for a change as well.
2: I know, it's very exciting. Well, listeners, that is exactly how we are going to start this podcast. We have got lots to talk about. Of course, we've got the continuing troublesome league form, but we're not going to start there because there's nothing but sadness and just annoyance down that path. So we're going to start with. The Clarets, fantastic home win in the third round of the Caribou Cup to get us into the fourth round draw. Um, as we record, it will be this evening. I think we're recording, what day is it? Wednesday night, so we'll find out soon. Um, and then we're not even going to talk about the league after that. We're going to talk about Daisha's new contract because that's even more good news. And then we're going to just dissect the league at the end. But don't, don't worry, listeners. You don't need to switch off by that point. We're going to look at it with a a good pair of eyes. We're going to concentrate on that second half performance. and We're just going to try and work out what... We're going to do it. It's going to be the known and ever grand unified plan to get our Premier League season back on track. Let's see if we can come up with that. So, Tom, Caribou Cup, not one that people pay an awful lot of attention to, apart from me, because I'm a bit of a loser and do love a cup run. Um, did you get that sinking feeling that we'd been here before when Rochdale went 1-0 up? Uh, the,
4: only, the only way in which I, I didn't have a sinking feeling was that having uh, been witness to many of our uh, Previous cup performances. I was at the the Lincoln game, the Accrington game, the Burton game. I did put a few quid on Rochdale to win. So at way. least the uh, yeah, <laughs> you bet with your head, not your heart, Natalie. So uh, at that point, <laughs> I, I, at least you know I've, I've had the foresight to uh, to back this inevitable outcome. When that when uh, I wasn't at the game last night, unfortunately, but when when the uh, the goal notification flashed up on my screen. Um, but I think, you know, with, with the team we've put out, I, I do think that there's a, an amount of squad depth we've got now that we perhaps didn't have in those previous years. You look at the 11 we put out, and I did have confidence that we had enough quality on that pitch to beat Rochdale. Um, so I didn't get too down-hearted when the goal, uh, when the goal went in, and, uh, and lo and behold, my confidence was proved right because obviously we've, we've come back and uh, wiped the floor with him in the end, and uh, a performance and a result that's going to hopefully give the team a lot of confidence.
2: Yeah, definitely. Um, Adam, just going back to obviously the, what uh, Tom picked up on there is that we did have a changed team, and um, perhaps unsurprisingly, the most of the changes being in the defence because that's where we have most cover. Um, and you know, four out of the back five were were, were brand new personnel, including um, a, a, a start for young Nathan Collins. And um, aside from perhaps a little bit of, of switching off for the goal, um, I thought on the whole they looked pretty well together. But you know, is, is Tom right? You know, do do we now have a little bit more quality where we can field, you know, more than just a starting eleven?
3: Yeah, definitely. I think I were quite dubious before the uh, Newcastle game whether whether we'd want a cup run, and I probably wouldn't have been too bother, bothered if we'd have gone out on penalties. Uh, but now, yeah, after the uh, the two or three additions, the squad does look a lot stronger, um, and it's. Um, it's definitely something we can um, we can try and go as far as we can and not not worry as much as we were doing before. Uh, really positive performance by by some of the um, some of the players that probably needed some minutes. Uh, J Rod, uh, Connor, Cork, even who's dropped out of yeah. the side for the last two or three weeks. So yeah, positive all round. And like you said, Nathan Collins looked uh, looked very assured. I thought other than yeah, obviously the goal, but um, we'll forgive him for that.
2: Yeah, definitely. I, th- I think it's an interesting one, Adam, and I think I'm going to leave the Cook conversation for now because I want to speak about him when we get to the league discussions. I don't want to necessarily jump ahead of myself or, or repeat ourselves, but um, let's talk about Jay to start off with because there's been a lot of talk about him perhaps looking a bit of a shadow of his former self and perhaps being low on confidence, probably not been helped by the fact that he's been... Um, put out of the side, particularly um, in favour of, of bonds, who a lot of people are not wanting to see in the side at the moment. Um, we know that strikers thrive off goals, and I'm just—I'm I'm assuming that we're just all now expecting Jay to become messy from from last night. It was a—it was an incredible performance from him.
3: Yeah, very good, very um, clinical uh, when he needed to be, and uh, Bill, that should fill him with confidence. I, I, correct me if I'm right, Did he score a goal all last season? I, I can't remember a goal last season. Can yeah, I? Can last scored
2: one? Um,
3: like Watford palace at the end of the previous season. One? The uh, the last one I can remember, but uh, need Dave, need yeah. Dave on to tell
4: us. Yeah, Palace away, a couple of four minutes as well.
3: Palace away, that would bend me, wouldn't it? I don't know that year before. Got a
2: couple didn't
3: um, anyway. Yeah, no, I might be wrong. We'll, we'll, we'll ask have Dave. Yeah, last well, stat, man, Dave. Um, but yeah, it, I think he really needed that boost. I don't think there's much between the other three strikers um, to start alongside Wood. Uh, but it'll be great if um, if I, I didn't even consider him um, as the as the best option at all going into this weekend. I would probably in uh, Vidra's camp. But last night he. He couldn't stay on, stay on his feet for most of the game. He was slipping all over the place, Vidra. Uh, so I think he's got a real decision to make this weekend. And with Barnes seemingly off it, I really hope he's not in the starting eleven this weekend, um, just just because I don't think his performance has merited. it. No, I agree. Um, and, yeah, uh, Jay did score in the 3-0 at Palace last season. You're right. Uh, Tom's just put on the Messenger chat.
2: I see. There yeah. we go. There we go, Thomas to the rescue. Um, shame, yeah, shame. Lawton scored a screamer. <laughs> yeah, poor, 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 uh, poor Jay. Um, so Tom, coming back to you, um, one of the things that we've been really struggling for all season is goals. We've just not been. We've creating some stuff, but we've not been finishing it. Um, what? What on earth? What like, was it? Something as obvious as? A lower league opposition, or do you feel like there was something just clicked last night? Like, how did we score four goals?
4: Um, Yeah, I think you'd be stupid to disregard the level of opposition. I mean, we've we've played some decent teams in the Prem so far this season. Played some not not so decent teams as well, but um, you know, Rochdale. We're not talking about even a a Championship team here. I think they're in the around the playoff places in League Two. So you'd be hoping that we would have the capability to put a few past them. I think the, the most noticeable thing for me, um, looking at the goals, was the quality of the delivery. Um, I think against Arsenal, we've put a lot of balls in the box. and Not very many of them found a bit a player. Now, obviously, Arsenal have got a better class of defender and goalkeeper than Rochdale. That goes without saying. <clears throat> Excuse me. But I did think some of the crossing was a bit more pinpoint. Uh, the one that stood out for me was Westwood's ball in for the third. Rodriguez just gets that bullet header at the near post. But also, the quality of corner makes a big difference. I think he, he got one or two assists. Where uh, he teed that one up for a bit of a lay-off for Rodriguez, his crush for the equaliser was good from the corner, um, and then Lennon put a decent ball for the fourth as well. That's easier to pick balls out when you're playing against a lower standard of opposition. But for me, I think what we were really lacking against Arsenal was that final ball, and there was more quality in the in the final ball on Tuesday night. So hopefully, that's a bit of confidence for Westwood. I don't think his corners have. have uh, have lived up to well, uh, maybe not. If we asked, if we had Richard on tonight, he probably would say they have been living up to his usual standard, but perhaps not as good as they could be. Um, but Corne obviously has shown uh, in in what we've seen of him so far that he has got a touch of class uh, and his delivery is good. So then that was a big factor as well, and hopefully we'll see a bit more of that in the next few games.
2: Yeah, definitely, Adam. It was always going to be very early in the podcast that we started to talk about our new. Already confirmed legend, I would suggest. Um, his his impact in the second half against Arsenal was incredible. But last night, he got his first start. Absolutely all over the pitch. Looked confident, looked creative. A um, couple of assists. Should have scored three himself. And was just an absolute beaming ray of light, celebrating everything that he did with the boys like forever. Um, legend status confirmed for you, Adam?
3: Oh, you can't help but get carried away by the enthusiasm, can you? It was it was brilliant to watch. Uh, just getting a corner in, I think, about the twentieth minute, and he's he's giving it all the um, arms up to the crowd, trying to get them up for the game when it's like less than half full turf. He it, it just seemed to be really, really enjoying himself, and it was great to see because you don't often see that um, that enthusiasm from from players of that level and. Uh, just the all the pictures that have come out after last night of him celebrating the goals and um, like applauding all the fans, even the Rochdale fans. I think got a got a round of applause from him, uh, which I don't know whether that were another Umbro shirt pointing moment or deliberate. But um, but no, it, it, absolutely. Um, he's definitely he's definitely got that um, that spark uh, and something just to be really excited about. And you could. Uh, like I said, we won't go on, go on to the Arsenal game, but he just gives the crowd a lift every time. Um, every time he gets the ball, um, he's he's got something uh, something exciting about him. So yeah, all positives. Uh, yeah, like I said, hard not to fall in love with him already.
2: Yeah, definitely. Um Tom, you want to give a shout out to Corners Instagram? I don't think I follow him. You know, this is this is I don't know how I've missed this. But what what is this?
4: This is a public service announcement for anyone who's not following Corney's Instagram. Uh, prior to, to each fixture, he puts a little video on his Instagram story, and the production values—I tell you what—that ten times anything the club's putting out. I don't know who's doing it for him. I don't know what he's paying them, but he's not paying them enough. Amazing, and the fact that he did a little gif of like a lion roaring and stuff for a, a preview of a Carling Cup game with uh, show my age now, Carabao Cup game with Rochdale. Uh, yeah. I loved it. I, honestly, a m- must follow if you're not doing so already on Instagram. Worth creating an Instagram if you haven't got Excellent. one. Just, um,
2: What's his handle? I don't even, I can't even find him.
4: Oh yeah, best give that as well.
2: I'm just going to go on yours.
4: Oh. Yeah, just follow him off mine. I'll find it for you now. Honestly, yeah, unmissable. Uh, Cornet Maxwell. Could have guessed that really, couldn't you? <laughs> yeah, check him out. It's brilliant.
2: Corne Max. Oh, I've got Cornet Maxwell Um. Hashtag 27 um and it is blue tick verified two hundred thirty seven thousand followers. Um and I am about to press follow and this is gonna be amazing. So thank you for that, Tom. Good public service announcement there. I'm gonna go and check out all of them from last night. Um sorry Adam we interrupted you then and I, 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 I don't think you finished your point. <laughs>
3: No, I think it was Tom's point, but I uh, just wanted to say I've I've not got Instagram, but seeing all these stories come through, as I've, I've never been as tempted to get it. I don't even know what it really is, but um, <laughs> yeah, his um, his videos and pictures on there are just phenomenal. So I think I'll be having a look.
2: Well, if there was if there was ever a better reason to get on board the Instagram, um, what's the word? We could train, I guess. Then Maxwell Cornet. Quite frankly, Maxwell Cornet could make me eat peas for my tea, and I don't like peas they were sent by the devil he could literally that was a weird example but I couldn't think of anything more extreme than that but yeah Maxwell Cornet could make me eat peas that is the soundbite <laughs> from this week's and no Never podcast and um, Tommy's influence is obviously not just in our own creativity but it's the effect that it's going to have on the rest of the team um do you feel like this gives Dwight McNeil much more freedom and much more pressure off his shoulders or is that just perhaps a, a perception?
4: Do you know, that the first thing that I did think yesterday when I saw the team sheet was thank God McNeil's getting a rest, you know, um the last couple of seasons because we haven't had the strength in depth. He's been playing every cup game as well. And if there's one lad he needed a rest, I think it was him, but he's not had the opportunity. So he just that alone was really good that you know, that McNeil's getting the chance to to have a midweek off, getting the chance to rest his legs a bit. Um it will be interesting to see how it develops with, with Corne McNeil because um, I don't know if he was necessar- I don't know if you'd necessarily want to shift um McNeil out onto the right, uh, to accommodate Corney. I mean, you know, he's, he's been doing great work for us down that left hand side for the last two years. So I felt it was a bit of a shame that you know, that it was McNeil that was moved. But, you know, on on the other hand, you know, um perhaps it does just change things up a bit, you know, perhaps he, he, what, one criticism that we have had of McNeil in recent seasons is just that he doesn't score enough. So if he's got the opportunity to be cutting inside from his right and shooting, perhaps we'll, we'll, we'll see the benefit yeah. of that. I did think McNeil's crossing. While, again, I mentioned earlier, you know, put a lot of balls in on Saturday, but not that many of them, you know, were decent balls in. And I think McNeil was probably the the most guilty of that. So if it gives you the opportunity to mix the game up a bit like that, then that can only be a good thing. And just if you're not playing that well as well. I mean, how many games last season did he, did he tire after an hour? Again, because we've been flogging him to death. It's not a criticism of him, but probably do with another option there i thought it was a bit of a shame really on saturday that i think maybe um mcneil was more of a prime candidate to, to be something good munson but i'm sure you know as the, as the weeks progress and we get more game time out of Corney that they, those kind of positions will settle down um and yeah yeah i think the, the main thing for me is that there's there's not as much pressure on mcneil's shoulders not so much in that he's the only creative outlet although of course that pressure will be taken up as well but just the fact that he went to play 90 minutes week in, week out, play over-cup games and, and get flogged to death while his body's still developing, you it's know, easy to forget that he's still a very young lad.
2: Honestly, Tom, they were such good points. I can, and you forget sometimes. And I think this is a problem across football as a whole in that you do forget sometimes how young these kids are. And I I, I really came to the forefront of my mind in the summer when we are at the Euros and you look at these... The lads in the England side who were carrying the weight of the entire country on the shoulders um and and having to put up with the abuse that they'd put up with and and deal with that pressure and you think to yourself gosh he's nineteen he's twenty he's twenty two I think back to when I was that age there's no way I could have represented my own house never mind my own country to do these things um but footballers always seem to they always seem like they're older than they are um, it's a very weird weird thing and we do put a phenomenal amount of pressure on them um so adam fourth round of the cup listeners know i love a cup run um we don't tend to prioritize the caribou cup we tend to go for the fa cup if we've got ourselves good points at christmas but how excited are you to get round and who do you want that isn't manchester city in the next round
3: i think there's only one standout Tie left, yeah. Last sixteen, yeah. Um, one away from the quarters. Uh, one standout tie, and that'd be Preston. It'd be great to um, to go back to. Well, I think home game if you if you want better chance of progression, I'd be really happy with that. But uh, a trip to Deepdale um, that night in uh, twenty sixteen, the promotion season, with six thousand clarets there. One of one of the best one of the best away games um, I've been to, and. It'd be great just to relight really like that um that derby it'd be a hell of a game if we did get them, but um we'll probably get a South Coast or a Southern Side or uh Manchester City knowing uh knowing our luck. but we'll see what see what the draw gives us.
2: Yeah, definitely. Preston would be the dream draw. Um Brentford away would be pretty crappy. Um Liverpool City, don't want them. Queensport Rangers away would be awful. Southampton away would obviously be awful. Stoke would be hilarious just because we won't there's, literally get there's any. not
3: many good ones
2: there isn't is there that that would be pretty bad at uh, Brighton away would be awful um yeah there's a lot of there's a lot of like quite distant ones for us so yeah we, we're pretty much hoping for for Preston or a home tie um tom can you get yourself excited about the league cup or is it all about the FA cup for you or do you just not care as long as we're winning
4: the problem is like um a lot of people uh will be like, Oh, you know, Burnley, uh, you know, they've been in the prime for a few years now, why didn't they ever go winning a cup? You know, why, why aren't they winning a cup? And it's like, you know, it's all it's all well and good saying that. How many times have we had, you know, beat what's in front of us until we get to Man City and then lose? And at some point in this cup, if we if we do get a good run going, we're gonna get drawn against Man City or Chelsea or Liverpool or Man United. Uh the only hope we're gonna have in that game is if we play our best team and take it seriously and they don't now the chances of us playing our best team in any round this season, I would suggest before the final, is pretty slim. So uh, I, I don't think there's that much point in getting any hopes of about it. To be honest, we might get a good draw in the next round. You know, maybe if we have Preston or Stoke or something, uh, you know, a Championship team or KPR, we might we might squeeze past them. But I would suggest looking at the list of teams who are left in it. Whoever we play, if we play a Championship team, they'll have the best team out and they'll be more up for it. If we play a Premier League team, it'll just be a case if his reserves it, are better and more bothered. Oh, we came out the right side of that against Newcastle. Are we going to come out the right side of that against Tottenham or Liverpool? No, we're not. So, uh, uh,
0: while well, I'd love a good
4: cup runner, I'd love to get excited about it, I've uh, I've been burned too many times watching Sean Dyche's cup teams to to think we're probably we're not going to get uh, any further than than the one we got already. To be honest with you,
2: I mean. That's justified, Tom. But I'm not going to lie; I was looking for something a bit more positive than that. You know, I, you know, I'm going to promote Richard Steele to my favourite if you're not very careful with with chat like that. In that sense, then um, let's talk about the other good news before we move on to the league. Because what I want to talk about is taking that performance last night and that positivity and those chances and those goals and turning that around in the league. Before we get on to, to talking about the worry of our league performances we of course have some very exciting news which we touched on in the previous show on Friday. Adam we got the wish. Sean Nash four year contract It's going to stay as Burnley manager. The board have put their faith in him. I was very very worried um, after the Everton game. Uh, not because I wanted him to leave but I was starting to get very concerned that the board might take drastic action, it would appear that they've got every faith he's going to turn it around. Um, I'm going to say yes, but most significant signing of the season so far?
3: Yes. <laughs> uh, I think you've you've probably put in a, an early call for a bad shout of the season. Um,
2: hey! On, uh,
3: with uh, that, which uh, I think Tom might have called you out for on, uh, on the WhatsApp group as well. Um, but, well, let's hope it is anyway. But no, yeah, definitely the um, the signing of the summer. It's the one uh, that we've been seemingly waiting for for, um, for a long time because um, news of it being close two or three months ago. I think um, Pace has proved himself uh, probably to the fans and um, and to the board. He's put, put his money where his, where his mouth is. Uh, PR is definitely one of his strengths from the off, but it's really nice to see him backing mm-hmm. it up. And Dash's new contract's just the cherry on the cake. Um, I don't want to go on too much because I know Tom. Um, Tom is uh, really, really pleased with this news. So after he dampened my cup enthusiasm, I think I'll uh, I'll let him be, be positive about about something, um, and talk talk more about about Dash. But no, really, really happy, um, and and just hopefully now. Uh, if it can just it can get the performances out of the team, um, and they can't use the money as a as an excuse uh, any
4: longer.
2: Excellent. Go on then, Tom. You definitely don't deserve this after dampening our cup enthusiasm. But the floor is open to you to get this news—the news you wanted—off your chest. How do you feel?
4: A lot more excited about. Um, I, I said at the time of takeover. That really, what I wanted out of the new ownership was was Diash just kind of new contract. I think we all knew, even looking from the outside, that the relationship between Garlic and Diash and had broken down irrevocably, and that he was going to be on the way out at the end of his contract. Had something not happened to change that, and obviously the, the change in ownership has changed. Uh, it was really encouraging to hear them say early on that they, they recognised the work that he'd done. You think with a lot of changes of ownership, and change of manager soon follows. Obviously, it was the case in Dasha's last job at Watford. But uh, thankfully, it's not been the case. Um, and to, to be fair to them as well, they've had, you know, if, if, if they were coming into it and they'd not done the due diligence, you look at the, the run of results we've had, four wins out of 25, I think, in the league. It doesn't make for great reading, but they obviously recognise that there's a a a legacy and a body of work that he's he's let, he's done already that is you know is, is so fantastic. You've given us so much to to build on. Uh, I, yeah, I've read some pieces in in the national media this week saying oh uh, you know painting it out that it's like this this kind of um uh, mid table drudgery for the the next four years or we've got to look forward to staying up for four years. Uh, you know, I don't think many of these people writing these articles have, uh, have asked many Burnley fans because I didn't see any kind of negative reaction to the news. I think everyone uh, everyone of a Burnley Foundation is realistic about our place, realistic about what we can achieve with the level of uh, investment that, that, you know, the finances we have. Um, and I think, you know, it's, we've got probably longer memories than than some of the naysayers. You know, it was only three, four years ago with a, a, a not a, you know, massive amount of financial backing that we were playing in European football. Uh, it was only two seasons ago we had a top half finish. Uh, you know, last season we stayed up comfortably on a, with a, a transfer budget of £750,000, which is probably unheard of, I would suggest, in this day and age in the Premier League. Uh, and to me, you know, while we're going through a sticky patch at the minute and we know that what we're seeing is the result of two, three years of underinvestment from the previous board, we've got a manager who's steered us through that so far. We've got our board now who are willing to back in. We've brought some players in who look exciting. Um, I think the performance level this season so far has been better than at the uh, similar stages in the previous two seasons when we've also had a sticky starts. So that gives you a bit of confidence. Um, and I think if we can weather this storm, get ourselves over the line this season, there's, there's, we're just, we are not going to get a better manager than Sean Dyche. We're not going to get a better ma- manager if we get relegated. We're not going to get a better manager to get, a, to get us back into the Prem. And we're not going to have a manager who's more likely to get us into the top half, lose us into European competition. So, uh, yeah, simply put it's fantastic news. We've done incredibly well as a club to keep holding for nine years. And to get him tied down another four years is absolutely fantastic. And I'm really pleased that the board can see that that's the kind of decision that we needed to make. So, yeah, absolutely fantastic news for me.
2: Hear, hear. What a fantastic monologue, young Tom. Um, couldn't agree more. Um, I'm absolutely delighted that he signed on. I think... Despite all of our worries and concerns, I think what we all wanted was for Daesh to turn it around and sign a new contract. All of us want Daesh to be a success. And I think what worried me a little bit after, just to put some context on the abuse that I'm getting from the team, which is just because it's Wednesday and they like to t- tease me all the time, um, but to put some context on, on what I, was, I really feared after the Everton game, that when you do have a new board and they've invested all this money in the club and he haven't necessarily got the goodwill um, and the previous relationship and you've got owners who haven't seen us do the same thing in previous seasons, I really worried that the board were going to lose patience and make a drastic decision. And I genuinely, after the Everton game, couldn't see Dash being with us at the end of the season, not because I didn't want him to be and not because I thought that um, he deserved to to be, but I genuinely thought that the board might panic. and. Seeing the board put their faith in his ability by giving him a new contract, and for those of you who don't possibly understand the implications of that, it, of course, means that if they've just given him a new four-year deal and they decide to sack him at Christmas the amount of money that, that it's going to cost them in compensation to him by sacking him, because you can't just sack him and rip up the contract and walk away. You have to pay out the manager an agreed amount of compensation, and um, which on a four-year contract is going to be very expensive. So it just goes to show that they were prepared to put their faith in him because otherwise they'd just let his contract run out and see how we were at Christmas and sack him for all less less. Um, so... Yeah, delighted. I think everybody's really pleased with that. So long may the dice Rain continue. Um, long may he make my takes look stupid, and I'll take that every day of the week. And yeah, listeners, let us know. Um it's been a while since we talked about this, but do let us know. Um oh god, what have I let myself in for here? Tom, Tom's hand's just gone up. Oh, what have you got to say, Tom Whittinger?
4: I thought I'd say, uh, you know, the only reason that I've been pushing this as as a potential worst take of the season winner is because I really want to lose the crown for this season. So, don't take it too personally.
2: (laughs) Oh, duly noted, Tom. And you know what? We're only five games in. And I keep saying this every season. At some point, I'm going to screenshot some of our chats and our um, team thread because we're all fans and we're all incredibly passionate. And what comes with passionate support of your club are sometimes quite irrational um comments and tom as is completely expected is the constant calmness in our group he just calms us all down and says we're all being idiots but um george tends to be the perennial optimist me and rich are usually the panickers adam keeps coming in every now and again adam you sit in tom's camp i think you're very level-headed and you're just like look guys i'll be fine and producer Matt's just the referee. So yeah, I'm gonna, I am gonna, I'm gonna produce some of these at some point because we can guarantee that there will be a lot of contenders for bad take of the season. And um, Adam, coming back to you then, and, and we are going to need to move on now because we've obviously we, we just did de- we do need to address the league form, and um, because as much as we're delighted with the cut run, as much as we just delighted with Dash's new contract. We are, of course, five games into the season and we have a grand total of one point. And we have so far dropped eight points from winning positions. Um, First half against Arsenal, Adam, pretty, pretty abysmal. It just felt like everything was going wrong and it felt like that was just everything piling on top of us.
3: Yeah, it was just really flat. And like Tom said, we've, we've been performing quite well uh in, in parts of the other games this season, but the whole of the first half against Arsenal were just no energy. Um and I think you could you could sense it in the crowd that at half time once Arsenal had scored just before, um there was a slight inevitable feel about the game. Um and it just didn't feel like Burnley. Um, yeah, and then obviously it was good to see Dash make changes and recognise that earlier than he normally would in the in the second half, uh, and that just gave everyone such a lift and and actually felt like a bit of a positive feel at the end of the game, just the the impact that the substitutes had because it's been a while since we've um, we've had that uh, impact off the bench in any sort of form, and although we didn't get um, get the goal and probably the deserved equaliser. Um, and with the penalty which I don't know whether we're going to talk about or not but um, it just yeah it felt like a turning point and point And hopefully it is the turning point um, obviously Leicester won't be an easy game but Norwich at home um, is already looking like a very big game I'm, I'm confident that um, the performances will turn into points uh, in, in the coming weeks Yeah
2: definitely yeah um... Tom, I, most of us will probably have seen it by now. We we shared it in our group not so long ago, but Ashley Westwood gave um, an interview this week. I think it's in the Daily Mail. I do try to avoid the Daily Mail where possible, but somebody sent me a screenshot of it where Ashley Westwood was talking about how the team scratched their heads a lot at the, you called it the the, the perennial slow starters. Um, I'm going to post something here because for me, it always feels like our slow start is somehow linked to Jack Cork not being in the side. And when he does come back in, we get ourselves somewhere back into it again. And last night, Cork was back in the side and it was a much improved performance. I'm not feeling this Westwood and Brownhill centre midfield partnership.
4: Um I don't know. I, it'd be interesting to see, ask Dave to dig out the, the stats for those, the the first few games, see how many Cork played. It would be interesting to see it. I think he's he's perhaps a little bit more defensively minded, a little bit more solid than Brownhill, but for me, I don't think there's that much between all three of the midfielders. I think they're all very similar players, to be honest. Um, so, I'm not one of these who is, who is kind of, I mean, I probably would play Cork on Saturday over, over Brownhill, but I'm not one of these that thinks he's going to be a panacea. I think he's like I say, I think they're all quite similar. And I think a lot of the problems we have probably, uh, the fact that we've got a two man midfield up against the three a lot of the time. And if they're both pressing and the space in mind, you can probably say that Cork's natural inclination is not to press quite as much. But, uh, yeah, like I said, I don't know. I don't, I don't know if there's that much of a difference between him and Brown and myself personally. Maybe just a bit of experience you could say over anything else, but. Yeah, I mean, I'm not. I'm not saying I wouldn't play Cork on Saturday. I think I, I certainly have been over Brownhill, but I don't know if that's necessarily a panacea.
2: Fine. Um, we were talking um about decisions um earlier on, Adam. We were talking about just periods of lacking of concentration coming in and just some poor decisions. And I think this for me was very much evidenced by the first goal in that it felt very much that. Pope rushed the clearance that led to the goal being put out of play, which then led to Arsenal pressing very quickly, which meant that Westwood had to bring him down or decided to bring him down, which then of course ended up in the ball in the back of the net. And it just that whole sequence just felt a little bit unlike us. Um and it's it's mistakes like that. And and again, this links back as well to the to the defeat against Everton where six crazy minutes just saw was going from being well in that game and performing very well to to being defeated in it, and it's that kind of thing that, that's concerning me this season.
3: Yeah, I think maybe slightly unfortunate where we've been punished um, a lot in key moments, and that's that's the nature of the Premier League. You do get punished with uh, for minor mistakes, and like the Everton game, I don't think obviously Townsend has got it in his locker. Uh, to score that sort of goal, but he'd not scored in a year, and then did, having just equalised for him to pull that out of the bag, it really did um, it like well, flattened me on my couch. Never mind what it must have felt like on uh, on the pitch. Um, and then, then again, Pope. I don't think it's as much of a surprise. He does. He does have that moment of um, of a poor clearance or a like rash when he's having to use his feet. Uh, I think the media point that out every time. Um, that he makes any slight error with his feet. But I think the the fact, I think the reason it's been highlighted is because of the sequence of play afterwards that obviously led to the goal. So it's, it's an area that I think he knows he needs to improve, but I don't think that is um, a one-off lapse. I think it is a part of his game that he's working hard on, but he's, um, it has got the potential to cost us every now and again. But the majority of the time, I don't think it will. And obviously he makes up for that with his... Um, with his performances over the season, you'd you'd much rather have um, have his uh, well what he gives you than um, than than his weakness with his feet. So I'm not going to criticise him too heavily. It's just I think we've been slightly unfortunate in in some games, and um, obviously it, it's definitely a worrying trend with with throwing away leads over the period of time. But I think once once we get going. Um, over the longer period of time, Tom talks about short memories. Um, the strong jaw will return um, and uh, and all will be good again.
2: Good stuff. I like it. So Adam's definitely on Team Pop, and that is a good thing. Um, Tom, we have to raise these because uh, some of our listeners have contacted us about a couple of points on the pitch that they are concerned about that they want us to address. I'm not saying that we necessarily share these views, but we're going to look at them. First common theme of these two, and I'll take the second one to add it, but the first one is a perceived vulnerability for Charlie Taylor this season and perhaps not performing well and perhaps could do with a spell and be replaced by Eric Peters. Discuss that a little nugget for us,
4: please. I um, don't think there's that much between Taylor and Peters, really. Um, I don't think it's not a bad point. Um I mean, fault for the goal against Leeds. Don't know if that was really his fault or that he probably just slipped. In fairness, to him, I think it'd be a bit harsh to blame him for that one. Obviously, two goals um, against Brighton came down the right hand side, but equally, I think the problem there was really the midfield. The fact that they were it was so easy for him to to get control in the middle and spray it about as they, as he pleased. Um, no issues with with him against Everton that I can think of. No issues with him against Arsenal. Um, I don't think that's the most glaring deficiency in the team at the minute. I mean, by all means, you know, like I said, I don't think there's that much between Taylor and Peters. and I think Peter's probably a slightly more defensive-minded player. So if, uh, if Dyche thought, you know, maybe he needs a couple of games on the sideline and, and tried Peter's for a couple of games, uh, you know, by all means, I wouldn't be particularly averse to that, but I don't think it would make that much difference. I think I prefer Taylor as a starting left-back and. there. Uh, and I think, yeah, you know, that defensive unit's been quite settled for a long time now, and I'm not, I don't see that there's any massive reason to to make a change on that side.
2: Yeah, I think that's pretty much where I have come down on that one. Um, I think there are pros and cons to both players, and I think, um, the I just think the benefits that we get from Charlie Taylor, even if there are some weaknesses in his game, um, I'd rather have that. So yeah, I, I would definitely tend to agree with that. Um. Adam, the other player who's coming under a substantial amount of flack at the moment is, of course, Ashley Barnes. Um, the question on everybody's lips is: He done? Are we over Ashley Barnes? Oh, what a horrible thing to have to discuss! Uh,
3: um, it's a really, really difficult question. Um, I've been a big fan of his for, for a long time, like many Burnley fans, but the recent performances haven't been um, haven't been up to scratch, and. Um, and that goes back into last season with uh, with the inconsistencies with, with the injuries. Uh, I, I don't think he merits a, a place in the side at the moment. Um, he's not completely over the there, I think. Is he 31-32? Uh, he's still got time, but obviously he's a player that um, does has played better in the past when he's had a run of games, but there's just not much sign of that at the moment. Um, so I, I think uh vidra Vidra's got to start this weekend. Uh, I'm not willing to write him off completely yet. After um, after uh, the uh, the fond memories of the last few years, but at the moment, yeah, it's not it's not looking looking great for, uh, for Ashley Barnes and and the, the faith that Dash is showing in him in him. Um, I think I, I put on the group that I wouldn't have started him last weekend um, and came back from the group with very good point. He'd be playing against a. Maybe a soft Arsenal back two and um, Barnes and Wood is probably the best combination if you want to soften soften teams up. But I, I even thought Vidra caused cause more problems in the air than Barnes did uh, when he came on the other day, won, won a few headers. Uh, so it, it, I just don't see what he's offering at the moment and he seems to be making up um, for the lack of form with even more aggression than usual. Um, obviously we were in the book earlier the day which kind of tempered him slightly but um, he, he's done a few silly things this season where there have been minimum yellow cards and it just seems like he's overcompensating
2: Yeah, I think uh, similar to talent. I think that that's exactly I think I would agree with that um, I think it's alright as fans to move on from players but still appreciate what they've done for your team so far um, Ashley's been absolutely brilliant for us, but I think some of the criticism levied at fans who were questioning his form are saying like, you know, how can you, how can you ever go at Barnes? You know, he deserves a place in the side. He's, he's come from a lower league club, and you know what a brilliant thing he did for us on the, in the uh, promotion year when we when we went up behind Leicester and he cowed us when Vines got injured. And so you kind of looking at you and say, well, yeah, you can still appreciate that, but players don't last forever. And to me, Barnes has now passed the peak of where he was going to be. And I don't think we're going to see a return to the Ashley Barnes that was so effective for us. And I also think, and I've been saying this for a few podcasts now, that the team is trying to evolve past that direct route one, just put the ball up to two very strong strikes up front. The media is seem to be obsessed in trying to keep us in that stoke identity of oh that's all Burnley play but we don't and you can see it in the build-up play and you can see them trying to do something different and being more open and being more creative and if we're going to do that which we need to do to progress we can't do that with Ashley Barnes up front so um I, I, I agree I, I also don't think he's done anything to, to justify a start in the in the team on Saturday and um, which then obviously begs the, the very important question Tom um, who gets the nod with Chris Wood? Do we play um, Vitra or do we play Jay? If indeed we're going four four two. 2.
4: Yeah, it's a funny one, isn't it? Because uh, apart from Wood, I don't think any of the strikers uh, uh, really staked the claim for the place that much last year. In terms of goals, I mean, probably uh, 2 3 and 2 or something between them. Not very many for many of them, anyway. Um, <laughs> vidra for me i think the team plays better when he's playing i think i think you made a great point there about the evolution of the style the everton game it stood out for me there was in the first half, we had so much of the ball and we're playing these little balls around the corner into the channels and we've got wood running onto them and you just think you're wasting him making him running to the channels to pick these balls up and cross them into the barns. that's the job vidra should be doing and that's the job Vidra does really well so you made a great point there and i think if we are looking to evolve the style in that way and we know we've got that in our locker then he's the obvious choice for me. The problem, obviously, uh, that we've got Saturday is now Rodriguez has given the manager something to think about. And I don't know it's only Rochdale, but it's four goals. And, uh, you know, I don't think Vidra scored four goals in the last two years, probably. I don't think Barnes has either. So, and, you know, they're, they're, they've all played lower league teams in that, in that time. So I think if you're Rodriguez, you're, you're probably thinking if I don't get a start on Saturday, what have I got to do? Um, But yeah, I think I I thought you both spoke very well about Barnes. I think you made all the points I would have liked to. So, yeah, for me, as long as he's fourth choice, uh, I don't care which one starts. I think Rodriguez has a good claim for the place, but I think also the team looks better when Vidra's playing. So, as long as we see someone up there with wood that isn't actually Barnes shaped, then I'll be delighted.
2: (laughs) Yeah, yeah. The other main talking point then, Adam, from the game, which is the last one I want to do before we wrap up, um, is another VAR controversy that we went to. I don't think this is as controversial as people make out. Um, the introduction of Vidra and Corney in the second half turned that game around. I thought we were brilliant in that second half. And actually, I felt that it feels like we're going to look back on that second half of Arsenal as a turning point where our season finally started again and we got a little bit into our stride and we just suddenly started to to play differently. And it was those chances and that press and that pressure that got us to the point where we won what many people are claiming was a very valid penalty. Um referee gave it. VAR then looked at it as they look at every penalty. Despite us being told that they only look at clear or overall clear and obvious errors It was not clear and obvious enough that they told the referee that he had to go and look at it on the screen, who then changed his mind and didn't give it. And then in some very bizarre turn of phrase, even though he didn't give the penalty because he determined that Ramsdale, is it Ramsey? Ramsdale? Um, Was the last one to get the ball. We then didn't get a corner. Um, Please, help us to understand this nonsense, (laughs) Adam.
3: I think well, I don't think they got a corner because I think he stopped play before um before the ball went out because he'd blown his whistle for the foul. So it had to be a, a drop ball. Ah, uh, but then
2: So that is that is the rule. Yeah. Okay, well that's a good thing to clarify because a lot of people I, did question that.
3: I think it's stupid really, because when he's looked at it and it's clear it's gone out for a corner, maybe a bit of common sense, but I think I think that is the law. Um but in terms of the decision I don't so much have a problem with it not being given as a penalty. It's the inconsistencies that uh, are going to annoy fans again, particularly given the Patrick Bamford uh, penalty last year against Leeds being very similar. And I remember at the time being absolutely furious that that wasn't overturned by VAR when Pope had clearly got the ball. Uh, so it, the only annoyance from me is that we've, in two very similar incidents, we've fallen on the wrong side of both, and I don't think that should be able to happen under. Uh, under VAR but it, you saw different pundits saying different things about whether they thought it was a clear and obvious error I think when you look at the replay you can see he's got the ball if that was Pope I would not want that to be given as a penalty first viewing I thought it was a penalty so it, it's, a, it's still a grey area but um, I've not got an issue with the decision on Saturday just the um, just bringing back old skeletons out of the closet from, from the game last season
2: yeah, I agree. We've been banging on about consistency for a long time, and it does. And maybe this is perception because you tend to remember the times that you feel you got shafted rather than the times that you benefited from it. And of course, we have had the benefit of some VAR decisions. I remember that brilliant game at home to Bournemouth when we went, something went, you know, there was the penalty, and then Bournemouth scored, and then they counted out their goal, gave the penalty, and it was. It was an absolutely brilliant, brilliant game. And um, sorry, Adam, did you want to just finish off that point before
3: we moved on? Yes, yeah, so all, all I wanted to say was it just had to be Arsenal, didn't it? After all oh, the yeah. all the times that um, they shafted us when VAR wasn't in existence <laughs> I to get um, get a decision that that gets them the win. Out of just again weird. brings up the past, and uh, you just it's something you'll never forget as a fan. Them, uh, them, three, um, three late penalties. Oh, but sorry, two late penalties and offsides and handballs and all all the other farcical things that happened. But yeah, sorry, I just um, remembered how angry I was about that on uh, on Saturday as well.
2: Hey, look, this is an outlet, uh, but are you okay? Do, do we need to talk? Do we need to make you a cup of tea and give you a a non and ever virtual hook here? I, I feel like we've we've uh, unearthed uh, some pain.
3: No, I, I just I get, Again, I just what I just want to yeah I just want to say thank you for I can I can say this to you guys now and I don't have to uh, whine on it um, at my wife because she must have got really fed <laughs> up now I can just take out all my frustrations on you guys it's it's fantastic.
2: Hey, listen, that's how I've got away with doing the podcast for ten years, Adam. And um, so my my other half is a Burnley fan as well, but because I'm I practically walk into my wedding vows that he would be a Burnley fan, he doesn't have a choice and he always knows when Burnley get beat or things are going down, he's always like, Oh Lord. And um, so he, he very much encourages me to do the podcast because he doesn't have to listen to me. I can vent on here. So yeah, believe me, uh, you know, no, no, never. It's not really a public service for the fans. It's basically, it's marriage counseling for a team No and ever. That's all it is. Um, finally, then Tom, we promised our listeners that we would come up with the grand unified plan to solve our premier league start. So, Away at Leicester on Saturday, not probably the side we wanted to see, but they're not faultless this season. How do we start our campaign starting on Saturday? What do we do?
4: Yeah, so um, after the game on on Saturday, I was a a little bit more downbeat about uh, our chances of survival compared to what I was like this time last year. And that's because I think we're playing well and yet we're still not getting the results. Whereas last year, there were so many obvious improvements we could make to performance to the side. Players who've been out injured or weren't fit getting back up to speed. But um, some of the responses I got on Twitter, uh, a chap called Dan Lord in particular, if he's listening, I thought he made some really good points about that there's some obvious upgrades we can make to the team or there's obvious places we can make changes. So the the, the first the glaring one we've already been speaking about is Barnes has just been a dead weight this season. It's been like playing with 10 men. It's awful on Saturday. Looked like you'd won a competition to be there. So there's an obvious upgrade straight away whether you bring Rodriguez and or Vidra you like to think we're going to have a bit more at that end of the pitch, first, first of all. Um, the depth out wide is so much better than it was this time last year. You know, even in the second game of the season against Liverpool, we're bringing Eric Peters on when we need a goal to play a wide right. We've got four good options there now. Um, we've got Corne, who's an upgrade probably on what we had there this time last season. Uh, and it's not been often in the last few seasons we've been able to upgrade the first eleven, so that's really good. Um, there's obvious changes you can make or that you'd, Potentially making like like I said, I don't think there's much between Brown and Onkork or much between Taylor and Peters. But having said that, those are two options you've got to change around straight away. Um, Roberts, when he's fit again, to challenge Lowton. Um, one thing that that uh, that's, that I was thinking about on Saturday was Lowton was trying to do a long throw at the end, and I think maybe he should learn how to do one before he actually starts doing them. But I've heard that Roberts has got a long throw, so that's a, that might be a weapon that we can utilise as well. And, uh, you know, when he's when he's fit and and if he does get into the team, so there are the strength and depth is much better this season. There are obvious upgrades we can make as players who perhaps could could get into form a little bit more. I think Hope's not been at his best so far this season, so perhaps if we can get some better performances out of him, we're going to see a difference as well. Um, I think I'll probably. Uh, Probably on a giddy high of a 4 one win over Rochdale, but I, I, yeah, I've got a sneaking feeling we might, we might uh, cause Leicester some problems on Saturday. I don't think they've a great start. Uh, you know, I, I've got visions of a, a Maxwell Cornet cut inside from the right, and bend it in the top corner for a, a last-minute winner at the King Power. That's probably the uh, the excitement of a home win talking, but um, yeah, I think I, I think after that chat on Saturday, obviously you, you do come away from the game a bit despondent, but. I think there's things we can do to, to improve. I think there'll be three worse teams than us at the end of the year. And if we keep evolving in the in the next couple of transfer windows, then we can look forward to a, a brighter future for sure.
2: Excellent. Words of wisdom. Adam, a final word from you before you go. We cannot improve on that summary of what Tom just said about our Grand Unified Theory. So we have presented to you said theory. You are Daesh and you are allowed on Saturday... To make one of those changes, just one. Which one? Which one do you categorise as being the most important?
3: Just so, just one player.
2: No one. One thing. One change. It doesn't have to be a player. It can be a style. It can be anything. What's your one thing that you change on Saturday to make an improvement? Win. <laughs> Useful. Thanks. <laughs> there we have it listeners that is the no and never grand unified theory on turning around our premier league season we're just gonna win and with that i'm gonna wrap it up because quite frankly i can't improve on that so um thank you very much to everybody who um joined in to make this episode pos- uh, possible of course my colleagues adam and tom for joining us too, to to analyze all of that information to get giddy about four one victories over Rochdale and Dasher's contract. Um obviously to producer Matt. Uh, we've had a few technical issues today, producer Matt. Um listeners, if you see any bleepers bleepers, bloopers, whatever they're called in here, um I've been trying to keep running commentary as we've been recording to tell Matt which bits we've made mistakes, but we might not capture them all. So you might hear us rambling and going oh lord we've lost tom again or oh, where's adam gone um so apologies if it wasn't polished but we'll try our best um to um oh my god i can't remember the name of our music provider um to the large who does our music provider and i've come to recording without my notebook i'm so sorry Um, uh, uh, matt will link you on the on the none and ever announcement to make sure that you are Credited with our jingles. Thank you very much. Um, But finally, to you, the listener, for downloading and listening to this episode. Your support is very much appreciated and we would not be here without you. We will be back on Friday, Dave and I with this week's episode of the preview show, looking ahead to that fixture against Leicester. And the rest of the team will be back next Tuesday with what will hopefully be the first win of the season. Get in touch in the meantime, you can tweet us at Never, or you can email us at podcast at nonanever.net. We would love to hear what your grand unified theory is on how we turn around this season. This has been the Never podcast. I've been Natalie Bromley. Until next time.